Good evening, no, Satanan. It's a, uh, it's a uh, really a privilege to be here up tonight and uh, to speak the word of God and teach you and share, you know, what God has shared, uh, God has taught me in my life. And uh, you know, for starters, my name is Stefan. Uh, for those of you who don't know, those of you watching online, uh, I'm a young guy. You know, I'm 22 years old. That's uh, it's pretty young and. One thing uh, you have to know about me is that uh, I love learning. I love learning a lot. And even when I was uh, a kid, I, I really love learning. I remember when uh, I was around six or seven years old, uh, my parents bought me this, oh, not me, but you know, for the whole family, this encyclopedia set. You know, if, if you're not familiar with uh, what an encyclopedia is, uh, it's basically, uh, it's, it's, it's a thick book usually. It's a collection of facts and summaries. So uh, if you want to know something about like, uh, you want to know what an apple is, right? you just go to the, to, to the letter A and then you search apple and then you'd see uh, what an apple is, the history of an apple, uh, you know, the, where it came from, interesting facts about that. And uh, if nakaabot pa muna ng panahon sa skwilahan, naka na mag-filming-filming, bitaw, mabita ng usay, kuwao na libro para as if, uh, bright bitaw sa film na kuan uh, paklip-paklip ba dagan bitaw kay libro dara nakastack na muna siya kasagara no encyclopedia and uh, you know i read this uh, as i was growing up and of course being young i didn't understand a lot of what i was reading but uh, reading sorry reading uh, inculcated uh, that habit of learning in my life and Recently, well, one thing that I've really loved is learning kanang interesting facts and trivias. You know, just the other day, I learned uh, this thing called uh, the My Way Killings. You know? uh, the My Way Killings was a sociological phenomenon in the Philippines. It happened around 2002 to 2012, somewhere around there. And what happened was, it's, uh, it's very interesting because uh, it's, an, it's a series of incidents. No, it's, just, it's just not one incident, but it's a series of incidents where People sa video kehan karaoke, no, no, they started fighting and even killing each other because of the song "My Way" by Frank Sinatra. No, uh, if you're on the old side, no, you have a little, you know, some gray hairs on your head. You, you're very familiar with that song. But if you're on the young side uh, and you don't know the title, you might be familiar with the uh, uh, how it goes. Like, you know, it's like, I want it my way. You know that, yeah. And it, it's an interesting fact to know. You know it's, it's good for parties, you know, like you go up to a person and, hey, you know this? And, and, and they go, wow, I didn't know that. And, uh, you know, it's good for conversation starters, but let's be honest, right? That's practically the only thing it's good for. Uh, there isn't really any instance in life where you would use this knowledge for any benefits. And uh, I think that says a lot about how we live life. Uh, we spend a lot of our days uh, being distracted about things that don't really matter and don't really have any practical value in life. And uh, I even bet right now, if you take out your phones and you go to your settings manager, uh, there's, that thing, there's a thing called, uh, it tracks how much time you spend on a particular app on your phone. Now, I don't know who you are, but I'm willing to bet uh, uh, confidently, at least more than 50% that the majority of your time on your phone is spent on either Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Messenger, or whatever, right? Now, I'm not saying you can't learn anything from that, but let's be honest, a lot of the times we just scroll and scroll and scroll and, you know, look at 
funny videos, cute dog pics, and cute cat pics, and all that. And as we go through life, we get bogged down by uh, these non-practical things in life. But we, we need to realize that as Christians, we are called to live an, a life of meaning, right? A life uh, centered in Jesus Christ, you know, to focus on things on the eternal and not the temporal. And one thing that uh, I think it's, it's, it's really kind of it goes over our heads a lot as Christians is the concept of wisdom, right? Eternal, godly wisdom. So uh, that's what I'd like to talk about tonight. But before that, I'd like to uh, lead all of us in prayer and come before the Lord. Lord, we pray that as we read through your word, we meditate on your word tonight, you reveal to us what only you can reveal through your scriptures. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, wisdom. You know, it's one of those things that gets thrown a lot in church. Right? It's in sermons. Uh, it's uh, uh, in, especially now, I think it's a timely thing because uh, we're having a prayer meeting right now. And I'm, I, I, I bet you it's going to come up later in the slideshows that we're going to ask for wisdom. Right? But what is wisdom? Right? Like, we hear that a lot. You know? uh, Lord, we ask for wisdom for this business deal. We ask for wisdom for this decision. We ask for wisdom for this relationship. But do we even, do we even stop, right? Have you, have you stopped to consider what you're really asking for when it comes to wisdom? Because at least for me, when I try to reflect on this, uh, and I'll be honest, a lot of the times when I say, Lord, give me wisdom for this decision, if I boil it down, what I'm actually saying is, Lord, give me, wi uh, not wisdom, but Lord, help me that this thing will go my way. That's essentially a lot if we're going to be honest of what we say when we say, Lord, give me wisdom in this presentation. You're basically saying, Lord, help me make this presentation a success. Lord, I hope this, this deal is a success. I hope this relationship with this certain person uh, is a success. And that's not inherently bad, right? The Lord wa wants us to ask for good stuff if it's aligned with His will. But I think there's a danger in, uh, in, in having that kind of train of thought because it kind of devalues what wisdom actually is and what wisdom is in its context, what God uh, wants us to know what wisdom is when we ask it for Him, right? And we're going to be uh, taking a look for the most part in the book of Proverbs. So if you have revivals, uh, you can go over to Proverbs 1.7. Uh, if you don't, uh, it's in the uh, PowerPoint uh, previous slide from that. Proverbs 1.7, okay. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, right off the bat, there are two things that we need to acknowledge, okay? The first thing is that wisdom comes from God. Wisdom comes from God. Any kind of wisdom that you think us as human beings have isn't actually from us. It's just us fumbling around life. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, for example... How do you think conventional wisdom is taught in our world? This is how it's taught. You do something, you make a mistake, you go, oh, that didn't go quite well, you know, it blew up in my face. So, uh, you know, let's take a look at it. What can we do? Let's change it, do it again until it gets right. So you do something, mistake, change, it gets right. Rinse and repeat. So essentially what's happening here is that essential wisdom is it's, it's, it's born from mistakes. That's, that's basically what it is, right? Like, I mean, that's where we get the saying, it's wise to learn from your mistakes. That saying assumes that you're going to make mistakes if you want wisdom. But that's not really what 
godly wisdom is because the Lord is perfect and the Lord never makes mistakes. So that's, that's the first thing uh, we need to realize that wisdom comes from God and anything we have is just an accident basically. The second thing uh, we need to realize is that the only way to receive God's wisdom is by fearing Him. Essentially, fearing the Lord. So, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So, it, didn't, it doesn't say there that it's uh, in the middle or after. It says the beginning of knowledge. This means that you can't have wisdom if you don't fear the Lord. It's a prerequisite, right? And uh, if you listen to last Sunday's uh, preaching, this was actually touched on a little bit about fear of the Lord by uh, Pastor David last time. But it's actually quite interesting because what does it mean to actually fear the Lord, right? Is it just being afraid like, oh, Lord, Lord, I'm afraid. No. Okay, so the fear word, the word fear actually means reverence, which means great respect. Okay, great respect. So the next question is, how do we respect? How do we respect the Lord? Okay, so there are actually a lot of uh, uh, aspects to it. Number one is fear of the Lord when you're an unbeliever. Okay. So when you're an unbeliever, the fear that you're actually trying to talk about is the fear of God as a judge, as a righteous judge who every day and every second of your life you should fear because his anger is pointed towards you because you are unreconciled to him through Christ. So that's the kind of fear you have as an unbeliever. But as a believer, it kind of changes now, right? So the first fear is the kind of fear that draws you towards Christ, that God uses to bring you to him and then once you are clothed in that righteousness of Christ, once you're reconciled to God, it kind of changes. You not only see God as a righteous God who's angry at you for your sins, but you also try to, you start to see the different aspects of it, you know, God's righteousness, God's love, God's goodness, right, and all that. And uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's really that thing that you need to realize, that to fear God is essentially to have a great estimation of it because you can't respect someone unless you think of him as higher than yourself. That's, that's just how it works, right? If Think of anyone that you respect right now. What's the prerequisite for you respecting them? It's because you know them and then you think of them as someone higher. And that's what it means to fear the Lord, to put him at another plane, essentially, right? To acknowledge that he is someone who is very, no one, nothing can compare to him, right? And theologians would call this the, uh, the otherness of God. And this is actually one reason why it's, uh, it's such a big sin to say God's name in vain. Because uh, saying God's name in vain, and this doesn't just mean insulting his name, this also means saying it uh, without respect, saying it as if, you know, it's a trivial thing. It's simple, like, oh, you know, God and all that, right? It's, it's such a sin because by, not, by, by saying it in such a trivial way, you actually decrease the level of respect you have for him, right? I think we've all had those people in our lives that we refuse to call by their first name and we only want to call them by their last name just because we respect them a lot. So that's what it means to fear God. But then the question is, how do I fear God? Okay? How do I grow in my fear of God? Now, you can answer that if you flip over uh, to Proverbs 9, 10. There it is on the screen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge one and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
So as we can see, if you want to fear God, if you want to grow in your reverence of the Lord, you essentially have to know Him. You can't respect someone if you don't know them. And you can't respect a random stranger if you, don't, uh, if you don't get to know them, right? And how do we know God? Simple, through His Word. You get to know God by reading who He is as He revealed Himself through the Scripture, okay? It's nice that someone uh, shared to you who God is, but essentially, that's just, that's just secondhand knowledge. The only way to actually know God is through His Word, by reading it yourself with your own eyes or listening it through a podcast or whatever. Okay? So that's how you grow in the Lord. And we'll, we'll see later on in, a, in, in actually quite a second that this, this know, to know God, isn't just head knowledge. All right? Uh, it's actually something deeper than that. And if we move a little bit even uh, further on to Proverbs 15, 33. Okay? The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. Now, I want, to take, uh, I want you to take note of that word there, instruction. The Hebrew word there is busar, which can be actually translated as well as into discipline. Okay, discipline. Now, in your mind, what, what do you think when you hear the word discipline? Is it just simple head knowledge? Of course not. If you've been into any kind of trade before, you know that discipline requires commitment. It requires not only head knowledge, but constant application in your life. Okay? So this means that to know God is not simply head knowledge, but to make God present in your life. Okay? To have the reality of, okay, I know that God is love. Question is, is that present in your life? Are you showing a life that shows that God is love? And as a believer, as a follower of Christ, that you are emulating that love, that you are, you are sharing it, you are giving it away to others as God has loved you. Right? Like you know that God is holy. Is that reflective in your life? Do you hate sin as much as God hates sin? That's what it means to actually know God. Not just head knowledge, but practical living out application in our lives. Now, if we continue on, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting thing after this. The, and before honor comes humility. Now, well, we, a second ago, we were just talking about the fear of the Lord. Now, why is there suddenly talking about honor and humility? It seems kind of random, right? But this is because of this fact. Now listen here. Fear of the Lord and humility always come together. Okay, they always come together. You cannot have one without the other. It's not retail. It's a, it's a package deal. Okay, and why is that? Well, simply because it's impossible. It's impossible to know who God is, live it out in our lives, and not see how weak we are as human beings, as sinful as we are, and how far we are from the standard of God. Okay? When we get to know God and really live Him out in our lives, it, it kind of becomes like a mirror, right? It shines a light on us and who we are and that we are so marred from sin that we can't possibly compare to God. We start to realize how little we are in the face of a great God. So they're impossible to separate. But we should be careful because the opposite is actually true. And this should be a time for reflection in our lives because you can never say that you, never, you, that you truly fear God if you aren't humbled by the fact of who He is. Okay? You can never say that. Because the fact of the matter is, you don't fear what you think is beneath you. 
You don't fear what you think is beneath you. And that's, that's the whole concept of fear. We fear things because we don't understand it. We fear things because we think we can't overcome it. And so that's a red flag in your life if you don't feel humbled by it because that just means that you think you're better and bigger than God. You don't acknowledge and give him the honor that he actually deserves. And so that's one thing uh, we need to, to really reflect in our lives. And what's a good picture of this kind of reality lived out? Now, if you turn to Isaiah 6, 5, right? I'm going to read it to you quickly. We're not going to stay long on this. Then I said, woe to me, that, that's a big word, woe to me, despair, this person is despairing, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live, a people of, I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So now the context of this, Isaiah met with God in his dream, right? God met him, and because of that, he trembled, he, he, he fell flat on his face, do we have this kind of reaction in our lives once we get to know who God is? Do, do, do we tremble against our own sins before a holy God? We need to really, really reflect on this because it's really important. But in the Bible, aside from Isaiah, there's someone else who exemplified this to the highest degree. And that person is Jesus. Right? If you want to know humility, just look to Jesus. Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Let's go to that verse as our last verse for tonight. Now, I, I, I'm going to go through this verse quickly, but you know, as much as I'd love to, but we're going to try to hit all the points that we need. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equal, equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, first thing we have to realize is right off the bat, verse 5, it says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, as believers, we are called to follow Christ. This isn't a simple suggestion. This isn't a... Uh, 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 you know, uh, a suggestion from your therapist that, oh, you know, you can, you can follow Jesus. You know, he's a good guy. He, he, has good, he has good things to say. But it says, have this attitude. This is a command for us believers to follow Christ. All right? And how do we follow him? Verse 6 to 7. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, as you can see here, it's been established. It's been confirmed. Jesus is God. Okay, Jesus is God. He has the authority of God. He is equal to God in terms of being. But the interesting thing is, right after establishing that Jesus is God, it says there, he did not regard equality with God. Okay? So he willfully submitted himself beneath the Father. And verse 7, but emptied himself. Okay, so verse 6 established he was God. Verse 7 he said he emptied himself. The phrase here, emptied himself, actually uh, means to let go of your privileges, right? So Jesus, who had the authority of God, didn't use his privilege. He let it go. He didn't throw around his, he didn't throw his weight around. He didn't use his authority, his power, uh, his, his godness to get out of trials and temptations. 
And this reflects in our lives as we humble ourselves before us, especially if you're one of a higher status. Do you use your power, your authority to throw your weight around? Or do you humble yourself? Moving on, taking the form of a bond servant. Now, the Greek word for bond servant here is actually doulo. Uh, it can be translated to slave. And back then, uh, servants had a hierarchy, and the slave was considered the lowest of the low. So God, who was the highest of all beings, willfully became the lowest of the low and being made in the likeness of men. So God willfully subjected himself, Jesus subjected himself to pain, suffering, temptations, and trials. In verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So this paints us a picture of who we are to follow if we want to be humble before God. So what picture does this paint? It paints that God, uh, Jesus was God. He has the power of God. Yet he willfully did not throw his weight around. Okay? He became the lowest of the low. And he suffered and died on the cross, which at that time was reserved for the, hate, the, the worst of the worst of the criminals. Now people, if, I, if that isn't humility, then I, I don't know what is. We humble ourselves before God in complete reverence of Him and acknowledge that our ways are not His ways, that His thoughts are not our thoughts, and not our will be done, but His will be done. So to have wisdom is to know God, to revere Him as who He is and who He deserves as a unique entity greater than any other existence. And because of that, consequently, we humble ourselves before a great and awesome God by modeling Jesus Christ. Simply put, wisdom is seeing things through God's eyes. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you humbling ourselves, subjecting ourselves to your will. We pray that as we come to you in prayer, we ask you not simply tongue-in-cheek and asking for your wisdom, but when we ask for wisdom for that decision and how to deal with that person in, this, in the work scenario, we not only ask, Lord, we ask for your wisdom, but instead we ask, Lord, we pray that you equip us in knowing who you are, in making sure that the decisions we choose are in line with your will, that the decisions we choose show your righteousness, show your love, that if the decisions that we choose, is it loving, is it reflecting of you? Is it righteous? Does it reflect your hate of sin? We pray that we humble ourselves in acknowledging that when we ask for wisdom, it's not what we want, but it's what you want. We acknowledge that it's not your will be done. It's not our will be done, but your will be done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.